Life Audio. Welcome to the Homeschooling Families Podcast. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. I'm thankful to be able to welcome Todd Nettleton from The Voice of the Martyrs back to the show today. Todd joined us in Pigeon Forge this year as our Master of Ceremonies, and it's been great to get to know him and better understand the work that Voice of the Martyrs is doing around the world. On today's show, we're going to be talking about children, specifically children of those who've been martyred or face persecution for their faith. We'll discuss the many ways they are impacted so we can better understand how to pray for them, but we can also learn practical ways that we can help them. Todd Nettleton is the Chief Media Relations and Message Integration Officer for the Voice of the Martyrs USA, and he's the host of the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. He serves as a voice for persecuted Christians, inspiring U.S. Christians with the faithfulness of Christ's followers in 70-plus nations where they face persecution for wearing his name. During more than 20 years serving at VOM, Todd has traveled the world and conducted face-to-face interviews with hundreds of Christians who've endured persecution in more than 30 nations. This is a really important conversation to have, so I hope you'll join Todd and me right after this break. Todd, welcome back to the podcast. I am so glad that you're joining us again. I always learn so much when we chat and my eyes are opened in ways that sadly, I just, I overlook so many things. So thank you for being here and sharing the work that you're doing, the work the Voice of the Martyrs is doing so that we can better understand what's happening around the world to our brothers and sisters. Well, thank you so much for having me here on the podcast today. Thank you also for the warm welcome in Pigeon Forge. I loved being there, loved being part of that event. So thank you for having me there as well. Well, you're welcome. I yeah, The more that I get to know what you guys are doing, but I don't want to, I don't want to overstate that. It's, it's really the more that you guys are showing me what's going on around the world, the more passionate I am about helping other people understand that. I, I just, I, I, you said as we were praying before we got on that the Lord would capture hearts of his people for the, for what's going on with their persecuted brothers and sisters. And, and that really is my prayer for today that as we are talking and specifically as we're talking about children and the impact that this is having on them, that God would capture the hearts of the families who are tuning in. And so I'm, I'm really, really eager to, to just dive in and see. It let you give us an update. What's going on in some of these places and, and, you know, how are, how are children really being impacted? I know you guys did, I think, I think I remember seeing an, like an entire magazine on this. So what are you all seeing? Yeah, this is one of the things. And like you say, we did do a couple of years ago a magazine on the children of persecuted Christians. And it's interesting to, Look at their different experiences, because I think all of if you think back to being a child, something that affects your parents affects you, (laughs) whether you want it to or not, it does. And that's true of persecution as well. And it's interesting as we talk with the children of maybe a pastor who's been in prison or maybe somebody whose father has been killed for their faith how they process that experience and how they go through that time. And 
there are some who very honestly, it it really rocks their faith. And, so, and sometimes they go through a period of really what they would say they don't have faith anymore. Like, God let me down. He let my father be killed. He let me down. He let my mother go to prison. Usually that they come back around to see. And, and one of the stories we told in the magazine was a story of Emmanuel, who was the son of a pastor in Vietnam. And he said as a kid, he really resented his father's ministry. Like his father was gone for long periods of time. Uh, at one point then his, his father got arrested. He went to prison for three years. And Emmanuel was like, you know, what kind of dad is it that that does this work that could get him arrested, that could get him sent to prison? Does he really love me? Does he really care about us? If he does, why would he keep doing this? Why would he keep getting interrogated and arrested and going to prison? Today, Emmanuel is a pastor, though. He is doing exactly the same work that his father used to do. And he has really kind of come full circle and and forgiven his father. And, and I think that's an important thing, forgiven his father for the times that he was away. He did miss out on birthdays. He did miss out on, you know, the school awards assemblies, the thing that as a kid, you really want to see your parent right. there. You want to share that moment with them. Emmanuel is coming to the point of seeing in the scope of eternity, I understand why my father made that choice. I forgive him for not being there those times. And like I say, today he is doing the work of a pastor in Vietnam. He is putting himself at risk. He's been interrogated by police. At this point, he hasn't been arrested yet, but he's been interrogated. He knows they're watching what he's doing. And so he has, like I say, come full circle to the point of saying, okay, I understand why my father made those choices. And in fact, I'm making those same choices as well. Wow. You know, I, I love the point that you made about the forgiveness, but even even deeper than that, I am so convicted, even at the outset, like I don't even know where this conversation is going, but the Lord has already convicted my heart so much, even as I have prayed for brothers and sisters who are being persecuted, I have never, I don't think I've ever stopped to think about the fact that these are these are individuals with whole lives. These are people with families. These are people who, as much as we're talking to moms and dads here about shepherding the hearts of their children and all of the missional work that they're doing, these moms and dads over there are trying to do the same thing while facing impossible situations and such difficult persecution. And I really like I I just I'm I'm stunned that that I never recognized that. I never stopped to think about that. And really the fingers of all of this, just that, that forgiveness element, recognizing that God is is at work and that the rocking of the faith and all of these things, very specific, specific struggles that that these young young people would have. And I, I just I really, really appreciate your bringing that. How are you seeing as you're going around the world and as you're engaging with these these families, these these whole families of people who are who are struggling this way, how are you seeing the the parents and the children growing in in their faith, actually trying to maintain their faith, holding tightly to it when it's so difficult? What kind of things are you seeing with these kiddos? You know, it is very difficult, and I'm glad you mentioned prayer right up front, because I hope out of this conversation, one of the things that happens is more people are equipped to pray. Sometimes it even goes one step further. Sometimes the children are used as a weapon against their parents uh, in the persecution. And I think, 
I think particularly of a pastor in China named Wang Yi, who is right now serving nine years in prison because he was the leader of an unregistered church there in China. Uh, His son, Joshua, who is an early teenager, is picked up every morning in a police car, taken to the Communist Party school and indoctrinated all day long by the Communist Party teachers, which includes boy, your dad is is foolish. Why did your dad persist in this religious activity that was unregistered? It, he ended up in prison because of that. Well, why would he do such a thing? How how dumb is your father to, to do that? Think about knowing as you sit in a prison cell that that's what your son is going through every day and how much heartache, how much pressure that would put on you. So that is that is another side to the story that that actually there are governments, there are police that will use the children as a weapon against their own parents and add that to their persecution. One of the things we see to to kind of answer your question is the faithfulness of God to sustain people in the midst of that. God shows up in in some remarkable ways and we don't always understand that. We don't experience that typically. I, I think Frankly, I don't think we need God in the same way that some of our persecuted brothers and sisters need God. And so we don't experience him the way they do. We don't kind of wake up every morning and think, Lord, if you don't step in today, I may not make it through the day. Most of us think, you know, kind of we're we're probably going to muddle through the day, but Lord, we sure could use your blessing and your help. That's a little different prayer. Lord, I'm I'm not sure what's going to happen to me if you don't show up. And so there is that experience of God's faithfulness, that experience of his power in the midst of really difficult, really hard situations. And like I mentioned, one of the things that is a common story in the children of persecuted Christians is there's some wrestling that goes on in, okay, I see what this cost my mom. I see what this cost my dad. Am I sure that I want to walk in that path too? I, I know it's a costly path. I know it's a difficult path. One of the stories that inspires me, uh, there's a a lady named Rashin Sudmond, whose father was a pastor in Iran. He was actually executed by the government as an apostate. Now, there have been several pastors over the years that have been murdered in Iran. Uh, Rashin's father, Hossein, is one of the few that was actually went through a court case, was sentenced to death by the government, and was executed through the official channels of the government. Three days after he was killed, after Rasheen was notified, she was 13 years old at the time. Three days later, she actually wrote a letter to God and said, I am going to follow you, even if it's costly. And and obviously it is costly. I've just heard that my dad has been executed. I'm still going to follow you. I'm still going to be faithful to you. I'm inspired by the faith of that 13-year-old girl. And today, Rasheen is a, a grown woman. She's a wife. She is ministering back into Iran. She's ministering to persecuted Christians in Iran, just like her family was at one time. But to come to that conclusion after only three days and say, yes, I'm going to be faithful, even if it costs me, I think what a, what a powerful example that is for us. Yeah, I, I so often when you're talking or when I'm reading through the magazine that you all send through your book, I I find myself speechless. Like I I honestly from the depths of me don't know how to respond to what God is doing and how he is he is sustaining and encouraging and, and equipping and working in lives in in situations that 
my mind really wrestles to wrap my head around at all. And and again, as we're talking as we're talking about the children and the family units and such this during this conversation, how just help us understand a little bit of how God is working in these very dark areas where life is so hard. How is God using family and community and and, you know, the just obviously their personal walk with God to to give these children a faith that does stand even can hold on through the wrestles can can they can come out the other side with the determination that yes this is worthwhile you know i wish i could explain that fully i I think the the thing that comes to my mind is the promise that god will be the husband to the widow and he will be the father to the orphan and i think somehow supernaturally he steps in and he is the father to these children, if their father is in prison, if their father has been killed. We heard an amazing story earlier this year from uh, the son of a martyr, the the son of a man named Rami Ayad, who was killed uh, 15 years ago in Gaza. Uh, I had the chance last year to sit down with Rami's widow, Pauline, and hear her story of uh, coming to the point of forgiveness of the men who killed her husband. For her, that was a five-year process. That was not easy. That was a long road to get to the point of saying, okay, I genuinely forgive these people who killed my husband. Uh, But last year, their son, George, preached his first sermon. He's 17 years old at the time, and uh, it was coming up on the 15th anniversary of Rami's death. Their church was going to have a special kind of day of the Christian martyr honoring the memory of the martyrs and especially honoring the memory of Rami, who had been a part of their church. And so when Rami was killed, he had two children and Pauline was pregnant. Their their third baby was born after Rami was killed. So George is his oldest son. And he went to the pastor of their church and said, hey, I would like to preach on this day of the martyr, on the day honoring my father. He'd never preached a sermon before. Uh, and the pastor was like, are are you sure? Like, like this is going to be an emotional day for you. We're talking about your father. He said, yes, I, I want to be the one. I want to deliver the message that day. George preached from John 11 and 12, the story of Lazarus' death. And uh, as he went through the story, he, he pulled out some truth about it. He said, you know, Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, they were lost in their grief and in their hopelessness. And And he pulled out that word, Lord, if only you had been here. You know, they said, Lord, if you had only been here, then my brother wouldn't have died. It's it's kind of blaming Jesus. Like, it's your fault. You weren't here. He died. They were lost in their grief. The disciples were lost in their fear. They they didn't really even want to go back to that part of the country because Jesus said they had just tried to stone him in that part of the world. That they People were upset with them. And you'll remember in the story, Thomas says, well, okay, let's just go with him so that we can die too. That was their fear. That was their danger. The The Jewish leaders were wrapped up in, in their power and in their authority, and they saw Jesus as a threat to that. But then he pulled out of the story and he said, Jesus said, this has happened for the glory of God. Hmm. Lazarus died because out of this situation, God is going to get glory. So George traced that through the story of Lazarus, and then he went back and traced that through the story of his own father's death and wow. came to the conclusion, this didn't happen because, you know, a terrorist group was too powerful. This didn't happen because God, you know, wasn't paying attention that day or he wasn't watching over my father. 
this happened for the glory of God. And, you know, to hear the 17-year-old son of a martyr honor his father in that way and admit, acknowledge, yes, this was hard. Yes, we have a lot of grief. Yes, we had a lot of questions. But this happened for the glory of God was an amazing thing for the people in the church that day to see Rami's son stand up there and deliver that message. And I think that is just one example of how God sustains and trains and encourages the sons of his martyrs, the sons and daughters of his martyrs, to stand faithfully and to stand in faith and to find out this happened for the glory of God. I wouldn't have chosen this. I didn't want this. But God is going to get glory out of this, and God is going to sustain me. God is going to still use me in the midst of this loss and in the midst of this suffering. Yeah, I, it, peace and grace that passes understanding. I mean, there is there is no explanation for being able to do that outside of God at work, and God at work in a way that we would have never expected or or even dared to ask for him to to strengthen and, and give that much courage and and insight to one so young. It's it's truly it's truly a testimony of God's power. You know, I think that sometimes we look at at God's power and and expect him to to move the mountains that we can see, you know, remove the persecution, do whatever. But but we undervalue God's power in giving grace and peace and taking these situations to strengthen faith and testimony rather than to destroy people. After a short break, we'll be right back to talk even more about this. The award-winning CSB Explorer Bible for Kids helps kids place God's Word in the middle of God's world. Within its engaging full-color pages, Kids will interact with the people, places, and things of the Bible and God's creation. Fascinating images, illustrations, timelines, and study helps show archaeological evidence, introduce key characters, explain new concepts, and help kids experience the wonder and truth of the Bible. QR codes placed throughout the Bible bring educational videos, discussion questions, and activity pages to life, helping kids apply key truths of the Bible to real-world experiences. Go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash explorer Bible to get your copy now. Again, that's teachthemdiligently.net forward slash explorer Bible. It is one of the unexplainable things that, that frankly, unbelievers have a hard time understanding. Yeah. And it, it is such a witness for Christ. Like, how could you forgive the people who killed your father? How could you forgive the people who killed your husband? The only explanation is that God is real and he gave me the power to forgive because on my own, I can't do that. Humanly speaking, that's not possible. There has to be a supernatural element to that. And it is an incredible testimony and witness to the people who are watching uh, to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and I'm so thankful that God has given you guys a platform to share these stories with people. It's so impactful. I mean, I've I've already said three or four times, I it takes my breath away when I hear these stories. It it encourages my heart. It makes me want to go out and live for Christ better 
because of what these men and women and boys and girls are doing around the world. And I think it's so impactful that you guys are out there sharing those stories with our families and with so many others that can tune in and, and learn from them. And like you noted, great things that God has sent. It gives such a great testimony of God's work when we can hear these stories. It does. And, you know, the body or the Bible tells us when one part of the body suffers, we're all supposed to feel that pain. But but the only way we can really follow that scripture is if we have a connection, if we're connected to the rest of the body of Christ. And so that's really what Voice of the Martyrs seeks to be is, is that connecting tissue between the different parts of the body of Christ so that when one part suffers, we can feel their pain. We can choose to become involved and to fellowship with them. And when one part of the body rejoices, we can rejoice together. We can experience the joy that they experience and and share in that as well. So it is a, a significant part of what Voice of the Martyrs does is simply telling these stories to help American Christians and other non-persecuted Christians know what's going on with our family members who do face persecution. Yeah. Yep. And it's it's so needed and it is of such value for us to hear just for, again, strengthening our own faith, but also helping us pray so much more effectively because we understand better. You were telling me or alluding to as we were talking before we got on about a couple of pastors who have have spent quite a bit of time in prison. And I would love for you to tell us about their story as well. Yeah, this is a uh, this is personal to me. I went to Eritrea in 2004. I met both of these pastors just a few months before they were arrested. They have now spent more than 19 years in prison. In fact, in July, they spent their 7,000th day in prison and they've never had a trial. Like like other Christians in prison in Eritrea, they've never had a trial. They didn't even get charged with the crime. Uh, they don't have a prison sentence. It's not like they were sentenced to 25 years and, and they can count down the days until they're released. They they just got arrested and they disappeared into the Eritrean prison system. And, and we're now 7000 plus days later and they're still there. And uh, actually, in the case of one of them, uh, Pastor Haile Naiski, not very long ago, we got a picture of his daughter graduating from university. And uh, the, she texted a picture to one of my colleagues here at Voice of the Martyrs. We've been walking with his family through all the last 19 years as as he's been in prison. And I I saw that picture. And I have to admit, I wept uh, as I thought about him in prison for 19 years. And here's another milestone for his family. His daughter graduating from university. What an what an amazing accomplishment. What a fabulous day for her. And her dad can't be there because he's in prison. He's still in prison. And so our our goal is to encourage people to pray for Pastor Haile. The other pastor's name is Dr. Kuflu Gebremeskel. He actually has a PhD in mathematics from the University of Chicago. So he is a brilliant scholar, a brilliant man. Both of them, more than 19 years in prison. Both of them have families. And we are praying for their release. We're also asking people, hey, uh, call the Eritrean embassy, send a fax and an email, uh, let them know that you're watching this case, encourage them to release these two brothers. We did hear some good news recently, actually, after we kind of publicized their 7,000th day, uh, 13 Christians were released from prison in Eritrea. All of them 
long-term, more than 10 years in prison. So that is a great answer to prayer, a great celebration. But we continue to pray for Pastor Haile and Dr. Kuflu uh, to be released and be reunited with their families soon. Yes, absolutely. I will I will add that specifically to my prayer journal because I you know we we throw around stuff here in the states we about how, you know, this world is not my home and and all of these all of these things about how we're we're looking forward to heaven and so on but you know, honestly, when when you are sacrificing your entire life here, you're you're seeing your children grow up when you are not being involved and engaged in the family that God put you in, that really, really makes you recognize the joy of finally getting to your eternal home, finally seeing Jesus face to face and and being able to worship him unfettered for all eternity. I just the perspective shift on that is phenomenal. It is. And I hope as parents, as grandparents, I hope we hug our kids extra as we think about that, I, I just, like I say, I when I saw that picture, I wept because I thought of all the things that Pastor Haile has missed in the last 19 years, all the birthdays, all the anniversaries, all the, all the graduations, all the ceremonies that he hasn't been a part of. And it just, it is heartbreaking. At the same time, we know that God is with him. We trust that God is sustaining him and and I encourage people, pray for them. That that's that is a hard road to have to walk. And I I hope for the day he's released. I hope for the day, frankly, that I get to interview him after he's released and hear about how God answered our prayers, how God sustained him through these long years in prison. It's it's absolutely miraculous that anyone that you talk to, whether it be the the one who was imprisoned or the ones who were left behind, it is nothing short of miraculous that you aren't talking to constantly bitter broken people. The hope that that we have in Christ and the grace that is given to them is absolutely miraculous. It is that a miracle is is the right word. It's it's an amazing thing. Yeah. So Todd, I'm I would love to have you share stories all day that like I cannot get enough of them. But I know that you guys actually had a an event this summer where you were sharing some stories, celebrating what God was doing. Can you tell us a little bit about that, too, so that the families can jump over and and try to engage in that way, too? Yeah, I want to encourage people. This was a virtual event. It is still available online. Uh, I'm glad you like hearing me tell stories. This is one step better than that. This is hearing people tell their own stories. So you get to hear directly from Anita Smith, whose husband was killed in Libya, directly from Gracia Burnham, who was kidnapped in the Philippines, from Susanna Coe, whose husband was abducted in Malaysia and and still hasn't been heard from or seen since. It's been six years plus and nobody knows what happened to him. Also, we just talked about Eritrea. Helen Berhane, who was imprisoned in Eritrea, actually held in a shipping container. She shares her story as a part of this virtual event. The website is heartsevent.com. It is free. We want people to see this. We also had the worship this year by Michael W. Smith. So that's a name people will recognize as well. Um, A really really wonderful event. And I would encourage people go and watch that. Watch it with your families. Uh, you'll be encouraged by these stories. And and as we've talked about already today, Leslie, you'll have more ways to pray. You'll have a better understanding yeah. of, okay, how, how do I really pray for these people in this situation? 
these ladies were in that situation and, and they kind of help us understand that. Yeah. And you mentioned it just then to to let your children in, involve your family in this. We're running low on time, but before we go, I wanted to ask you as a dad, how did you involve your kids in understanding what was going what was going on around the world with these these precious believers that you were talking to and engaging with, you know, in a way that that didn't break them. You know, you don't want to lay too much on kids that they can't handle, but you do want them to see God at work and not hide those things from them. One of the things I did is the same thing that my dad did, which is I read to them the biographies of great missionaries. Um, I think of the book Bruchko by Bruce Olson, uh, the book Lords of the Earth by Don Richardson. My dad read those to my brother and I. I read those to my two boys to kind of pass on that tradition. The other thing is we always had a map on the wall in, in our house. And uh, so when I came home from a trip, uh, we could look at the map. We could talk about the people of, of the place that I had visited. We could point it out. We They could kind of visually see that on the map and, and think about that. And helping them understand that this is our family. I think that is, that's the, maybe the most crucial thing. Um, I, I like to tell the story. I have two brothers. Uh, if one of my brothers was in prison and being beaten on every day, you wouldn't have to remind me to think about him. You wouldn't have to make me feel guilty to think about him. I would think about him. He's my brother. If he's in prison, I'm going to think about him every single day. These are our brothers and sisters. They are in prison. They are being beaten on every day. They are being persecuted every day. Once we understand that family connection, it is very natural for us to think about them, to pray for them, to want to bless them, to want to encourage them, to want to do something to help them. Once we understand that family relationship, all of that just wells up from within us very naturally. If we can pass that on to our kids, uh, I think that's one of the great blessings that we can hand them is, hey, you're a part of a great family of God that expands all around the world. You have a role to play in that family. Oh, so well, so well put. And I love the map idea. I love, you know, the conversations that we have with our kids is one of the best opportunities that we have to give them a foundation for faith as well as the way that they see the world. And taking advantage of those opportunities is is just a great privilege that we have as parents really going for the hearts of our kids. So I appreciate you bringing all of that stuff up. And, and Todd, before we go, can you tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can learn more about what VOM is doing? You know, kind of give us a little bit more information about what you're doing. Sure. Persecution.com is the main Voice of the Martyrs website. Persecution.com. Right at the top of the page, there's a button that says free magazine. If you click on that, we'll send you our free monthly magazine. Again, it's free. There's no charge. But we want you to have these stories. We want you to be able to pray knowledgeably for Christians who are being persecuted. Uh, two other things I would encourage people. We have a an app. It is actually brand new this year. It's been completely redesigned. It's called the VOM app. Uh, if you just search in your app store for your phone or your tablet, it is a great way to connect. Every day in the app, there is a new prayer request for persecuted Christians. There is also a wealth of materials in terms of books and videos. My book, the audiobook version of my book is available in there. Uh, you can also listen to Voice of the Martyrs Radio every week within the app. 
That's the third thing I would point people to is VOM Radio. So we are on over a thousand stations around the country. It is also a podcast. You can listen to it that way. But again, you get to hear directly from Christians who have been persecuted, directly from people who are working in hostile and restricted nations. Uh, and I'm the host, so I, I have to do something to promote VO Radio, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, Todd, thank you so much for spending your time to share this with us today. Um, I know it's opened my eyes to a lot, and I'm sure that there are parents all around the country and, and the world listening in that has opened their eyes as well. So thank you. Well, I am thankful for the opportunity. Every time I get to talk about persecuted Christians, it's a privilege. So I'm very thankful that you gave me this privilege. Well, you are very welcome. To everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in with us today. I do pray that this will be something that will change the way that you look at the world around you. I pray that this will be something that will really change the way that you are presenting the world to your kids. There are so many opportunities to talk about what God is doing in these other places with brothers and sisters who are who are standing firm for their faith in impossible, seemingly impossible situations. And it strengthens our faith here to see theirs on display. And learning these stories is a great start for that. So uh, engage with Voice of the Martyrs. Allow them to give you those stories, to do the legwork of running these these stories down and sharing them with, with you and with your family. I encourage you again to go to heartsevent.com and we will link that so that you can find that virtual event that they hosted where these ladies are telling their story. I think it'll be incredibly impactful for you. You know, we talk every single episode about how the Great Commission starts at home and we are privileged as parents to bring our children to Jesus to help them get to know him well. As we share what he's doing in the lives of others, we are truly giving them just little stones that they're able to step on as their faith increases. They're able to see that God is working in very real, very tangible ways all around the world. And so I encourage you to start sharing these with your children, praying specifically, take some time in the evenings, get the app so that you can stay up to date on ways to pray. Uh, these are just great resources for your family. So check them out. We will link everything in the show notes. And so I encourage you to go there and get all of those and then have a great rest of your day. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining me today. It's my prayer that every episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast helps to strengthen your family by giving you biblical and practical ways to raise your children and educate them well. We'd love to engage with you more. So check out teachthemdiligently.net to find out about the resources and experiences we offer Christian homeschooling families like yours all year long. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a whole lot more. Mm-hmm.